Welcome to Where With Sepet. Each week, I chat to amazing graduates from a range of backgrounds to help young professionals like yourselves take the guesswork out of making those all-important decisions at the beginning of your careers. To keep up to date with our episodes, you can follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. And to find my episode reflections and find more resources, you can also check out our website at wherewithsep.com. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're joined by Whitney, a strategy associate at Mecca Brands, which first of all is really, really cool. And uh, I'm really keen to talk to her about her job. Um, But she also brings in experience working at Coles in their in-house strategy team as well. And she completed both her bachelor's and master's degrees in finance and management at the University of Melbourne. So first of all, thanks so much for coming on, Whitney. And I'm really keen to chat to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So I want to kind of leave it up for you um, to introduce yourself. So why don't you just give me like a little bit of background? I know that you have obviously with the two degrees, a little bit more complicated of order of like your professional experience. So can you just go through that and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I grew up in Melbourne. I knew I wanted to go on commerce. So after school, I went and did like what a lot of your, um, a lot of your guests and probably, um, people that you've had on the show did bachelor of commerce at Melbourne. Um, I wanted to get through it really quickly for some reason. So I tried to do it in three years and got to the end of it. And I was like, I have no clue what I want to do. Um, and so I half-heartedly applied for some jobs, didn't really find something I liked. So then I ended up actually taking a year off and like traveling a lot. And then I landed a part-time gig at the Australia China Business Council and then worked part-time, full-time. And then I actually just moved and did my postgrad degree, a Master of Commerce Management at Melbourne Business School and did that for two years, had the best time there, like really applied myself and figured out what I wanted to do. Um, after, after that, I landed a grad job at the group strategy team at Colts Group. So it's basically the in-house consulting team. Um, and I did that for two and a half years. Um, really loved it there, learned heaps, worked with great people um, and right in the midst of COVID. So it was just absolutely nuts. Um, that calls then. Um, and then I, then an opportunity came up to move into the strategy team at Mecca Brands, which is the leading prestige beauty retailer in Australia and New Zealand. Um, and so I took up that opportunity and I've been there for nearly two years now. So that's where I'm at now. Um, outside of work, I love to, I don't know if this is interesting, but um, outside of work, I love to play sport. Um, I like watching sport. I've been watching all of the Ashes and the tour recently. Um, I love jigsaw puzzles and playing board games. And then I've loved traveling. It's not really unique. Like it's not really personality trained at all, but like, yeah, I did a lot of backpacking when I was um, at uni, which was really, really great. And a big passion of mine. So yeah, that's me. Sick. That that's really really awesome, man. I I want to actually return to I want to return to like some of your hobbies as well later. Um, I'll talk about that in a second. But um, before I forget, I want to talk about kind of um earlier on in the journey. So you said you um had like a part time full time gig like after uni or your bachelor's, but then you decided to go back for a master's. Now, um, I have a pretty like I don't I'm not say this is a deep question, but um, you know, like for example, for me and a lot of my friends, like we immediately go to the same thought that you have, which is that we want to find a job as soon as possible. And realistically, that's also a part of out of like a bit of an ego thing. Cause if all of our friends are going to find jobs and we're still on uni or we're taking time off to travel or whatever it is, 
um, you know, we, we might feel a little bit bad. Right? We might feel like we're falling behind. So for you, what was the thought behind um, just doing another degree or going back to uni? Because a lot of people don't want to do that in the first place. And then maybe even what was the thought behind doing, going back and doing commerce specifically or management? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it was just because looking back at my first degree, Bachelor of Commerce, I didn't do uni right. Like I didn't tick those boxes that you're supposed to tick. So I like did really well at school. I like had been there um, for a long time at the school. I like took up every opportunity. And I think going into uni, my bachelor's had too much freedom. I was just like there to have fun. I went on uni games. I did like all those fun things, but I didn't study well. I, I tried to do it too fast. So I like was like overwhelmed. Um, I didn't get involved in societies. I felt like pretty overwhelmed by the competitiveness of it all. Okay. And it kind of just withdrew from it. And I only started realizing, I was like, oh God, I've got to get involved in like find things that make me stand out. So that's when I did exchange my third year and I did a consulting mm. project with KPMG, but it felt like a little bit too late, little too late. So I did get to the end of my degree and I was like, God, I was like doing my resume. I couldn't even like convince myself that I deserve jobs, let alone like convince others. So I, I honestly, I was just like, it's fine. I'm still young. I was like, you know, you finish when you're like 21. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, there's no shame in really for me going back to uni um, and doing commerce again. And I was really lucky. I did this master of commerce management, like consulting stream, which I don't think exists anymore, but it was a one and a half degrees. So it didn't feel like a long time um because I could get credits for the extra half um of the year I got a CSP place so it didn't feel like a massive investment of like into my hex debt so that would also help and I was really lucky to get that um and then I was just like if I'm going to do this I'm going to do it properly and I knew that by the end if I did it properly I would number one know what I actually wanted to do but also number two get more the better chance of actually landing a job that I wanted so that was my reasoning I think you know it's lucky like I'm just lucky that I had the CSP, that it wasn't a big investment that, mm. you know, it, I could get in. So that was my reasoning behind why I went back to uni and did POWIS again. <laughs> okay. Okay. Really, really interesting. I still think that you're very much uh, in a very small school of thought there of people who actually want to go back and study commerce, regardless of how their undergrad really went. But um, no, that yeah. sounds like really, really fitting. And um, that's it. Sounds like it was really great for your career. And um, I actually want to talk a little bit about you know, when you were talking about your personal life and like your hobbies and stuff, you know, you say that you like traveling, you have hobbies, and I'm, I'm sure you like to like do that during the week and, and mix that in with, like, I'm not going to say mix that in with your work, that's going to get you fired. Um, but um, you, you talked about kind of going back and studying a little bit more in your master's, you know, paying a little bit more attention, doing more extracurriculars. Do you think that's necessarily at the compromise of, for example, being able to travel, being able to make friends, being able to kind of enjoy a life outside of uni? Um, what's your experience been? No, definitely not. I think you just, um, I actually think being able to, on the friends point, going to uni more, being around people, going to just like joining societies. That's where I made my closest friends. I didn't have a lot of friends out of my bachelor's, but my master's, I left with a heap of friends. So that was great. Um, I was lucky, like I mentioned, it was one and a half years and I actually extended it to two years. So I could underload my subjects. I did a few like, um, intensive subjects. And so that enabled me to be able to do my part-time job and save up. And then mm. when it came to the holidays, I could just go and backpack in for three months wherever I wanted. So definitely felt like I could manage it all. And it's just a matter of like 
how effective you are with managing all your hobbies. I think anyone can do it, but I'm not like the best with my time management and I still could, could um, get on top of it. So yeah, it's just, it depends on how you do it um, and how you prioritize different things, but yeah, definitely possible. Okay. Good. Yeah. Very good to know. Very, very good yeah. to know. Um, especially with people who are kind of a little bit anxious about that out there. Cause I know there's a lot, um, we have people who are just trying to do internships during the, the holidays and stuff and, uh, and just fill every single one of their holidays with more work experience. But, um, I want to also talk about when you were applying for grad roles and you, you've obviously been through it a couple of times because you've, you know, you've been a graduate twice. Um, so can you just tell me like, what were the main differences? Obviously you, you've already described how uni itself was different, but you're probably a little bit more mature the second time around also you met different people kind of been through the, uh, been through different processes probably. Um, what was it like the grad job hunt the second time around and how did it really compare with the first one? Yeah, I, to be honest, like my first job hunt um, was fairly, I wouldn't call it a job hunt. I like applied for random jobs. And again, yeah. I was like, nothing really stuck. And I did land an entry level job um, at the Australian China Business Council. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, it didn't feel like it was like where I wanted to be. And like the skill that I learned at my Bachelor of Commerce in mm -hmm. that role. Um, but yeah, second time around, completely different. Like I had a much better understanding of what the roles were, what I like the roles out there, number one, but then also really having things to speak to, like concrete things that I could speak to at mm. the, uh, in the interview. So or on your resume as well. So talking about all your experience in societies, doing all the consulting placements that I did at uni, um, you know, all those sorts of things, it all kind of came together in the interview and you can really like take the story. Yeah. and like um of your journey to that point um and just having like an extra two years under my belt it's not really like the masters per se that like helps it's just like all the things that you do in that time it's just an extra two years on top of people that have just done a three-year bachelor's yeah, yeah. um yeah and I just did feel like a lot of pressure to just apply for things to be honest like I was like I would you know you're I was 24 when I finished or 23 24 and it just didn't feel like I was like going to just work at a job that I was going to hate. I was pretty um, happy with just waiting for the right role. And I was lucky to land one that I was really happy with. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was like probably the difference. I applied for random jobs that I didn't really understand in my first job hunt. And then I was really um, specific in terms of like, I think I only applied for eight grad roles after my master's. So oh, really? yeah, I, um. yeah, I just knew that, you know, I, there are certain companies that I wanted to work on others that I didn't think were a right fit. So yeah, you just let back yourself more after a bit more time and maturity, I guess. Damn. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's excellent advice. I don't know. For, for me, the, the more I've kind of gained experience, the less I've backed myself. I just realized how um, little I know, but um, no, I like that. It's a very, very, very kind of confident mindset. Um, yeah. Can I ask, so you talk about applying for, um, roles and, and you ended up applying for a small number of roles, but you know, you ended up in, in our strategy. Um, I'm sure a lot of commerce students, especially those people going into consulting or perhaps even people who are going to face say startup strategy or whatever, they're kind of on the edge of their seats wondering, you know, why in our strategy as someone going to consulting myself, I'm very keen to also hear about that. Um, because yeah. you know, you kind of study in that sphere as well for your masters. And so I'm very curious to hear why like in-house strategy in the first place. Yeah. Um, good question. I think when I was reflecting on the different options, so you kind of have 
strategy consulting, like the MBBs and the boutique strategy firms, which, um, yeah, lots of people want to go into and then like the consulting, like big four, and then you've got like in-house strategy and then you've got strategy startups. In terms of the first one, honestly, strategy consulting was like so daunting to me. Like I just felt like, you know, you go to those events and like Boston would be explaining and they had this high achiever on the front of this, like just out of uni, like, you know, speaking to like an auditorium of 500 people. Yeah. And I just looked at them. I'm like, I don't think I could thrive in that fast, super fast pace, super high pressure environment. I know like you're probably going down that path and you probably would, but I literally was like super intimidated by it and by the high achievers in FBB and strategy consultant houses and boutique, yeah, strategy houses. Um, and I like can definitely appreciate like the trouble was fun, the pain is good, the, the prestige, like you get really good career benefits. Like it's all really appealing, but I just really couldn't see myself sticking out for the grind of like yeah. working hectic hours. Um, but lots of people and lots of people thrive in that but I just had that internal self-awareness where I was like I don't think that's right for me and that's why I didn't like put myself into the positions where I was like you know really nervous and be like I have to get into MBB so that was just a personal choice for me in terms of like the big four consulting I did like you know look into it and explore it a bit but I think that a lot of those consulting roles were more ops operation ops transformation lots of like efficiency projects and like I was doing some interviews and it just didn't really excite me that much. So that's probably why I steered away from that. In terms of strategy startups, I think, again, I was looking for a bit of balance in my grad job. Um, You know, like I said, I have a few hobbies. I didn't really want to just be working really long. And I know that like it's super fulfilling and you get to like just hit the ground running and you learn a lot on the job. But I was looking for more of that structured um, training and development from experienced, really experienced people um, in the strategy that have come from strategy. So that's probably why I didn't go down that path. And then it's like you left with in-house strategy consulting. And um, yeah, it's really rare to find in-house strategy teams because you, you, you it warrants like a big um, organization. Um, and there's probably only a couple of like key ones in each major city, but you know, looking at Coles at um, in Melbourne and like Woolworths in Sydney and whatever, they all have strategy teams, but they're filled with ex-MBB, ex-strategy consultants, and they've all gone there because they want better work-life balance. So they're going to promote that sort of culture there, which I definitely saw. Um, but, you know, they still have that structure and they give you really great training. Like I went there and I you know, went into the cold strategy team and learned how to build an Excel model, learn, learn how to make PowerPoint slides, yeah. learn how to structure problem solving, learn how to communicate with impact. Like they still provide that really strong training, but not in an environment where you had to work really long hours and you had to travel heaps and um, just work through different companies. So that was probably one of the main reasons why I landed in an in-house consulting role. And um, yeah, I think like what really drew me to Cole's and in-house consulting is the fact that you just work in the same company and like you can really buy into like what they're after, like what they're all about. I actually like people, my friends would be like, you are drinking the Kool-Aid so much. Like I would <laughs> rave about coals. I'd go to like supermarkets now and I like stay there for ages and like I'd go yeah. to, I would, I barely step foot in like a Woolworths. But like I really like being able to like buy into a brand and like, you know, really feel like you could stay there for a long time instead yeah. of just 
feeling a little bit may, maybe more transactional when you're doing projects as a consultant. So yeah, there's definitely pros and cons to both. I think you just have to assess what works for you and what you're looking for. I can like, I'm sure there's heaps of people in the first bucket where they've gone into strategy consulting like you will um, and actually really enjoy it. So yeah, you just have to be open to um, what you want and yeah. And I think you said that so well. And I think one of the big things is that even though there are realistically, there are probably less of those roles, especially at a grad level available. Like yeah. I still think it's not something which like graduates should undervalue because, you know, when you look at actually all the things you mentioned, like actually it's really, really attractive to have a career path, which has, for example, the interesting work of a startup or even management consulting itself, but also the structured learning and work-life balance that those career paths don't have. And so, um, you know, it, it's a bit reductive to, you know, kind of just list out five categories and say that, oh, well, this career has this, this career doesn't have this. But at the same time, right, at a summative level, like you can see that, you know, there actually are like a lot of really big benefits that people perhaps just undervalue just because that, like you said, right, there are less roles available. They're probably being marketed a little bit less. Um, you know, oh. you don't have um, people speaking to you know, students of 500 um, at the university from Coles. But um, I think that <laughs> that's, yeah, you, you summed it up really, really well. And I think I'm going to move on to the next section now where I ask you actually about your role itself. And so I'm going to ask you the big daunting question, which you've already kind of answered, but can you actually just tell me what does an in-house strategy consultant actually um, do? And maybe just talk about, especially with Coles, like what it's been like working for, you know, as you've mentioned, um, one of the biggest supermarkets in the country. Yeah, it's a question that I still think about. I'm like, do I know what we do? And it's similar to, may not talk about what I do at Mecca, because I think when I've been reflecting on what our strategy team does there, and it, okay. we've got like four kind of clear buckets and projects that we work on and like what we cover in our remit. So what, number one is strategy planning. And so most strategy teams, group strategy teams, and I did this at Coles as well, was strategy planning. So they look at the three-year strategy or the five-year strategy house and they make sure that it's still relevant and that we're going in the right direction in terms of the company um and you do like most strategy teams will organize strategy days so it's like when you get the whole leadership team together and you discuss like really meaty complex topics about where you're heading like yeah. or like future growth pools and all those like really complex ambiguous topics that no one really wants to touch um except for the strategy team so <laughs> That's what we do. And we do under that bucket as well is like strategic, um, like transformational projects, like strategic project prioritization. So you look at all the projects across the business and you try and figure out how you prioritize those projects and make sure that it's going to lead into like your sales ambition and things like that. So that's the first bucket. The second but bucket, and it's also really common, and we did this in Coles as well, is um, business partnering. So you partner with certain bis, um, functions in the, in the business and you basically help them either create their strategy or you help them solve like a really complex ambiguous problem that they're facing. So, you know, you might, um, at Coles, like we, we partnered with the liquor team and we figured out their liquor strategy. So you do lots of category strategies. Um, you can figure out like in Mecca, we do the signature line strategy. So like what we are going to do with our um, own brand um, lines and what the strategy there. That's all like the business partner. And it's really about co-creating that with the, the different function and basically handing it over to them and they can take it on after you've worked with it. 
Um, and another good example is for right now, I'm working on the property strategy with um, in Mecca. So figuring out, you know, what, where's our network and how can we like make better decisions about our property um, and where worse stores are located. The third one is step out projects. And so that kind of is a catch all. It kind of lots of property, I mean, strategy teams look at M&A opportunities that come across the desk. Um, they look at uh, random innovation projects. They look at like projects that don't fit within a team in the, in the organization and that needs good scoping, structured scoping and problem solving and like some desktop research and analysis to get the LT on the same page and then figuring out where it lands after that. That's what we also do. And then the last bucket is marketing competitor. So the strategy team is always supposed to be the source for like, or like really have a good idea of what's happening like in the market um, and what's happening with our competitors. So lots of strategy teams, in-house strategy teams will go do like competitor visits. Like I would always go to Woolworths and be like, what's happening here? And like, we've got a Sephora and be like, okay. Um, but I think like, it's really important. <laughs> we used to call them spy missions, um, but it's very common. And like, it's, um, it's really important that there is a team that's always looking out because you know, you can pick up things from across the business. People pick up things about competitors and what their strategy is, but there needs to be a central place where it all comes together and you actually think about your competitor response and how your, how are things in the market actually impacting and threatening your, the future of your business. So that is like a very, not very succinct way of saying what we, what we kind of do, um, broadly in strategy. And that's what I've seen at Mecca and, um, cold strategy team did as well mm. um but yeah in terms of our day-to-day -day, it's i think people have covered this in your podcast before you know we spend our life in powerpoint and excel we make decks we do analysis in excels um we yeah it's all about just like a day like a day would just be around like creating decks and doing desktop research um you know preparing for like preparing for brainstorm sessions, going mm -hmm. on store visits, presenting to stakeholders, you know, fluffy stuff that it's like not very typical, but yeah, yeah. is essentially what we do as a strategy team. Yeah, that, that's sick. I'm not even going to lie. I zoned out for like literally three seconds at the start of your answer. And I thought you finished describing your whole role after that first point. Um, but no, that was a very, very detailed description. I think it's really, really helpful. And I have a couple of questions actually off the back of that, but I will say, anyone especially if like someone from sephora is listening if whitney walks into your store then you know uh, absolutely you don't kick me out <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly um anyway so i have a couple of questions off the back of that so the first one is can you just tell me um i think a lot of people are curious um and you know we mentioned some comparisons for example to consulting before but i think it's important also to think about like say if we hypothetically have a listener who is very curious about you know, okay, say if like a consulting firm's coming into Coles or Mecca and they're doing a project for them, you know, maybe a transformation project, something like that. How would that differ in terms of anything, in terms of the actual work that they're doing, in terms of the impact it creates, whatever, um, versus an, an in-house strategy project that you might be working on? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I think, I think the main difference is it's, it's harder to get started. I think sometimes, um, like you're, 
when I came to the strategy team, you have a lot of people that have really good connections with the business because you've done lots of that business partnering before. Mm. So if you have good relationships with people in the business, it's easier to get stuff done. They're less resistant. You can like, yeah, I think it's, you get a, probably a little bit of, um, kickback from like being a consultant and coming in there and being like, this is what we're doing. And there's a lot of mistrust. Um, but not to say that consultants don't have a role, like there's certain projects that they should be brought in to do compared to an in-house consulting team. So that's probably the main difference in terms of the project. I think like you're, as a consultant coming in, you mainly work with like the leadership team. They have like or the senior stakeholder or sponsor that brought you in, they have a view on where you're wanting to go and like what it looks like. But you, yeah. And you probably don't engage that much with the middle manager or like even like definitely not the grad level kind of yeah. those sorts of projects. So I think that's probably my initial thought on that. Yeah. I actually, the one of the main reasons, not all the main reasons, but one of the main reasons why I really liked moving into Mecca was the fact that it's a very entrepreneurial culture at Mecca. And um, even though they really, really value strategy and the strategy, like like they think a lot about where they want to go in the strategy and they really value strategic thinking, um, they don't, they barely um, cons- use consultants in their organization. Um, and they really back trying to invest in the strategy team or the parts of the business to deal with these problems and solve these problems. Um, whereas, you know, you work at a big business like Coles and it's just naturally needs, the scale needs more consultants. And so yeah. some of the really, really exciting meaty projects are kind of given to consultants. So that's kind of one reflection, but I don't know if it really answers your question, but yeah, that's probably one of the main differences. I think when I started at Coles as a grad, I didn't really get much exposure to what the consultants really did, um, mm. but there was definitely a lot of them around the boxes. <laughs> Slightly there next year. I, oh, yeah. I, don't know. I don't know if that's a tinge of a kind of sarcasm in your voice. And uh, I, I have a feeling people probably wouldn't like seeing the, I don't know, the Ralph Lauren vests and stuff around the office. But um, what do I know? But I think it's interesting that you mentioned that. I think you kind of hinted at it before, which is that like when you're looking at Coles, right, you talk about like competitors. And I think maybe that's something which consultants might be able to bring in because they, you know, maybe they consult for half the supermarkets in Australia. Whereas if you're looking at a business like Mecca, and I'm not saying that competitors are relevant there, but especially because Mecca has so many different business lines and um, such an interesting business, you know, like you said, maybe that there is a heavier emphasis on the entrepreneurial culture, but um, I'm sure you know much more about this and the listeners can figure it out for themselves anyway. The second thing I had off the back of that, which I, I think you kind of hinted at again with your answer just before, was I'm really curious to hear about what is your kind of line of communication like in an in, in-house strategy role? So I'd imagine, and I'm not sure if this is correct, that your teams are slightly leaner. And, you know, you talk about consultants, for example, being, in t- being able to engage with the exact level pretty early on in their career. What's that like, yeah. our strategy, you know, is, do you also have a pretty clear line of contact with um, you know, the CXO level? Yeah, I can only speak from, I guess, my experience in the two strategy houses, um, strategy teams that I've been in. Um, but yeah, the strategy team always has a really good link to the C-suite or like the, um, like the exec level. Um, both my, both roles, there's been a really clear, like you have a lot of time with the mm-hmm. CFO, which is normally where the strategy function, um, reports into. And, um, certainly at the head of or the manager level, you 
you will constantly be engaging with those chiefs. So um, there's, and the beauty of that, and I've really seen that at Mecca is that, you know, you get, you're totally across where the chiefs' heads are at, like what they're worried about, like what's like the biggest thing that's on their mind. Like, and that all gets fed down into the team because there's a re- it's a really lean team, like you mentioned. Um, and like, there's a lot of sharing. I feel, I, I feel, and I don't, I can't really compare it to consulting. So I've never been there, but I feel like there's a lot of sharing, um, between that. So I feel like, um, yeah, I, I know what's on the mind of the CEOs and the, all the chiefs because it's fed through to me. And I've also felt in my role at Mecca, I've really been lucky to have really good, um, opportunities just to work directly with chiefs which is yeah. like pretty rare for like my level where, you know, four years in and you're working with those chiefs. So yeah, that's probably, um, yeah, one of the real benefits of working in house strategy, at least from my experience. Yeah. 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 yeah great. I think, I think that's really, really helpful to hear. Um, and like, I think like, I mean, at least personally, I had no idea about that. Like I think very hard to actually know that without speaking to someone who has an in-house strategy role. Um, yeah. can you just tell me a little bit about your learning experience in these roles. So, um, both at like a, you know, you mentioned before it was like structured, right. Which is great. And you also mentioned that you interface a lot with, you know, a lot of these different stakeholders and a lot of these people have a lot of experience. They know exactly how to do things right. So, um, you know, like personally, for example, one of the reasons why I would never like start my career in like a startup or something is because I know that like at the end of the day, number one outcome they're optimizing for is, you know, for, for, for the, like for revenue or for, for, for profit or whatever. Right. Whereas in a bigger corporate, they have the time and the money to perhaps invest in you. Have you kind yeah. of felt, find, found that to be the case? And how have you felt like your learning has been in these roles? Yeah, for sure. I think um, I was so lucky to start at Cole's strategy team. Like it was a built up team when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was like a specific like second project, what we call it, where someone looked at training. And so you go on, go in and you know, they spend a, like hours like training you up and like actually yeah. teaching you how to use Excel and like build a model and how, how would you think about structuring mm. like, ex- like solving this problem with like the data that you have and all of that sort of stuff. And so it was super structured. And then, so that's really important, the formal learning, but then also like the learning on the job is really, really good. Um, and they bring in all like the best practice from the consultant firms and like yeah. Or I wouldn't be surprised if this is the case for most strategy teams across big corporates. Hmm. You know, you have like a development matrix and they talk about the different levels and what you should be achieving at across like four different sort of skills, get skills, which is like communication, problem solving, analysis, and like project management. And it's really clear in terms of where you're at. And um, that was really good. And then the other component was like really good feedback culture, really good like um, you know, after a project, they'll be really considerate and give you really strong pieces of, you know, what did you do well and what would be even better if. Mm. And so that really taught me, that really pushed me and like gave me the right skill set to move into a role now where it's a little bit less structured because the team's smaller. It's like early on in like the stage of growing, like it's only been like three years in the making this strategy team. Um, but it's still really like a good culture because you still have people coming from X consulting and they're still, you know, really pushing like on having development chats and giving you feedback and giving you opportunities to develop on the job. 
but also supplemented with like good formal training when you need it. So yeah, there's like, um, outside of consulting, there's still like, it's really good. (laughs) You don't need to worry that you won't get it. And I think you just need to sometimes be more proactive about asking for those opportunities because I think most corporates would be willing to invest in your team and your development. Mm -hmm. That's really, really good to hear. And I think again, like, especially at the grad level, you know, we talked about how attractive these roles are kind of further on to career, you know, they offer work-life balance, stability, the opportunity to work on really interesting work, but at a graduate level, even more so, right? That because you're bringing in these training programs and things which are targeted at people in their early careers, it makes it really, really attractive. So again, something really, really important for our listeners to consider. Um, I want to ask a, a question, which is perhaps a bit of an elephant in the room for people who you know, want to go into consulting, but a lot of them, honestly, you know, they go into, you know, consulting to do work with fashion firms. And then they also eventually want to either start their own gig or they want to, um, they want to, I don't know, work at, you know, kind of exactly the role that you're in right now. Um, I have a pretty broad question, which is that you clearly hire people from a lot of different backgrounds, right? Consulting, not consulting, right? Um, lateral hires from strategy roles like yours. Um, but mm. I'm really curious by and large, like, what do you think firms, and we can talk about Mecca first, but maybe even Coles, what do you think they actually look for in their hires when they're, you know, hiring for, especially perhaps slightly more experienced hires? Um, what do yeah. you think was like the common trait that they're looking for? Yeah. It is. Are you asking in terms of in-house strategy, like getting? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I think it's a mix between like having the right technical skills, like you do kind of need to be able to show that you can structure a problem really well. You can communicate it really well. You can do some analysis. And I think that you can get that in all sorts of roles and you can prove that in your case study and like, yeah, perform in your case study. So that's probably like an easier thing to do. Um, another part is obviously the culture fit. And I, I think that's a little bit harder to really give advice on. But I think like speaking from my experience like Meta, I think, you know, they want someone that's really positive, that's really bought into like their mission and their vision. You don't have to love beauty. Like I didn't love beauty when I started at Mecca, but you have to like have an appreciation for like a great company and you have to be like positive to work in Mecca, like for sure. Um, and like, yeah, you just have to be able to just like be yourself and like come and be yourself and be, yeah, like just your best version of yourself at work. Mm. Um, are really genuine and like, um, yeah, that's one of the key things. And what else? I, I think also like if you want to work into, in a business, you do want to show that you understand a bit about the industry that you're going into. I think you, you want to go in, if you wanted to come into say Mecca or Coles, you need to understand like, what are the biggest threats like in the market at the mm-hmm. moment? You know, who are their biggest competitors? Um, What are some of the opportunities that if you're like just an outsider, you would recommend to them? And so just having an understanding of what they're about um, is really actually impressive. And lots of people, I think, forget about that part before they go into an interview. Right, right. Yeah, okay. Super, super interesting. And and particularly um, what you said about, um, I'm really interested because you said that you weren't really interested in beauty. Like, I know that like, that's probably like, actually not that odd for like someone going to like a role like this because you know a lot of people who are just like really switched on and like you said like really fit fit the culture and just like have a positive vibe I think 
would do pretty well. But you, you know, you also mentioned that you you absolutely love this role, right? Like this is a role which you know, I, like this is something which I think, and I shouldn't be telling people what to do, but I think it's like a pretty good goal where like if you can like tell people around dinner table that you absolutely love your job, I think that's like something you should aspire towards, right? You shouldn't be yeah. doing a role where you you know you're ashamed to tell people what you do or. You know, if people ask you how's work, you're, you're like, oh, I'm having a shit time. So yeah. can you just tell me, you know, you said that you weren't really passionate about beauty, but you clearly love your job. Can you just tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think, um, to be honest, when I, so I was at Coles and um, a strategy manager at the um, Meta reached out to me. And funnily enough, of course, she knew someone that I worked with in strategy at Coles. So it's, strategy is like a really small small little ecosystem so you always know someone um and so already like having that link I was like oh I'll give it a go I'll have a chat and but originally I was just like I was thinking like a stereotypical beauty industry I'm like everyone just cares about what they look they you know everyone is like a model and like you know I just like the idea of beauty I was like a little bit conflicted with to be honest because I'm like do I really am I really lied to this but um and I didn't actually think it was that Another issue that I thought would be big no-no was that I didn't think it was diverse enough. I didn't feel like being an Asian woman, I'd be able to thrive in that um, environment. But, you know, you have to give it a chance. You have to like talk to someone and like not make all those assumptions in your head without testing them. And so I chatted to the strategy manager and the team and we had a really good candid chat. And I think Mm. because she was selling naked to me, like I wasn't getting like, oh, give me a job. She was able to have a really good conversation and she was really, really candid. She was, you know, really like honest in terms of where they could improve on, but also like spruiked it and like absolutely sold it to me. And like after the first, after the first um, conversation, I was totally expecting to be like, sorry, like thanks for reaching out, but no. And then I was like, God, maybe I do want to do this. Yeah. And she, she's, it's more, um, I've, and I've, gain an appreciation for beauty as I've um, worked in the industry, but it's more the fact that she sold me on like the type of work that we're doing, like the types of problems that we're solving at Mecca was just super, super exciting. And like the culture at Mecca is amazing. My experience, like it's just been um, so great to work in a really female dominated industry, like female led founder, like 95% of like the business, they're females, um, the workers are females. And so it just created a really nurturing culture, which I probably didn't realize that I wanted and like really can thrive in. We need to get over this misconception that work is bad. Like th- yeah. there are so many roles out there that are like super fun. And like, I can genuinely mm. say like when my friends ask me or my family ask me, how's work? I'm like, yeah, it's great. I'm loving it. Like it's a great company. Yeah. I work with great people. I do interesting work. Like sometimes you need to grind and sometimes you don't want to get up and go to work on a Monday, but ultimately like it's really, really good. And so I think people need to, um, and I, my advice to like early graduates, like don't settle for things that you're not happy with. And like mm-hmm. you can settle and like, you know, work hard for like two years and like sort of enjoy a role. But I think you do need to constantly reflect and like, there must be something out there that's better than this, like, or that you can get some fulfillment from. So yeah, that's my word of advice. Like, use me as a case study. Like I love my job um, and I'm really lucky to have such an awesome job, but um, yeah, don't always settle for hating your job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I absolutely, absolutely cannot agree more with that. And like, I, it's, it's staggering actually. Like I speak to people who are about to start their grad roles and you talk to them and 
they're dreading starting their job and they haven't even started it yet and they're already dreading starting it and like even for me like you know we, we talked just a little bit at the start about you know like there are really really like high pressure intense careers but like even for me like i'm still really really excited to start that like yeah it might be a tough time but i'm really excited to do that and like i might be wrong here and i haven't started my career but you have and you've clearly done really really well for yourself and and, and you know kind of you you've said that like yeah like if you don't like it like why why are you doing like why would you put yourself through that there is another way to do it and i think that another thing which like i kind of reflect on all the time which you you kind of pointed out was that it's so interesting that how close we are to like missing out on big big opportunities like sometimes mm -hmm. we are like one conversation away from just like completely missing a massive massive chance and so if there's one takeaway there it's like you know someone reaches out to you for a chat or if you have the chance to like apply for a role which seems slightly interesting like just take it right like even if there's a one in a thousand chance that that gives you a lot of upside like it's a it's a shot worth taking right and if you yeah, don't take any of those shots you'll live like a pretty not mediocre but you, i don't know i feel like there's no spark in um kind of any aspect of your life if you don't take those chances so i think that's a really 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 great reflection uh, on your part and and thank you for that um i want to move on to the last section now um and yep. i want to talk about um some reflections uh, and, and you just so uh you first of all i mean we talked about your postgrad so um just in in, in like a general way because i think that your postgrad scenario was also different because you kind of yeah, you, you you did stuff differently in your postgrad, as you as you said. Do you think in general that like something like that or a postgrad can kind of help other people in the way they did with you? You know, maybe people are feeling that they've got to a little bit of a roadblock that they're not really enjoying their their particular career path. Do you think they can have the same effect or the same renewing effect as opposed to maybe switching to a different role or applying for different roles or doing something else? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I think, I think early on, cause I didn't really have, I only had a year between. So it felt like I could switch gears pretty easily, um, to starting my postgrad. And like I said, like, I felt like I had so much more to get out of the uni. So that was the reason why I went for it. And I had, it's hundred percent worth it. Yeah. I think my advice is that if you're thinking about your postgrad, really figure out what you want to get out of it. Like set your goals early and like really be like, okay, what are the questions that I want to kind of get answers to? And will the, will the postgrad get me there? Or like, will I have enough opportunities to figure that out? Um, whereas if you're a little bit more similar to them or like in terms of a career path and, you know, where you're interested in, I think you would, you should explore that route of mm. going and talking to people or like talking to people in house consulting or strategy consulting or whatever you want to go into. Um, so yeah, don't like, especially when your hex debt's going up 7.1%, I wouldn't like just willy nearly be like, yes, I'm just going to throw another two years and, you know, 50 yeah. grand, whatever it may be in a postgrad. Yeah. But, you know, I, looking back, it was so worth it for me, um, just to get another two years under my belt and figure out a few things and those questions that I still had in my mind, um, and just like meet new people as well. So yeah, I'm... I'm all for it, but also just figure out if it's going to answer the questions that you need yeah, to answer. Yeah. No, that definitely answers the question. And that was a really, really good answer. And again, I think the message is that like, I think that the mindset of saying like, oh, it worked for her, therefore it's going to work for me is like really, really bad because like the set of random factors that determines like kind of your outcome from your postgrad is completely different to say, I were to do it, right? Like our situa situations are so different that they're 
Um, I, I don't think you can compare any two scenarios. And so, like you said, right, on a case by case basis, you know, it of course, like it, it has to be valuable for some people, otherwise, it wouldn't exist. Um, yeah. Just quickly to add on that, I think a lot of I work, I studied with a lot of people in my masters that had come from like science and arts, and that feels like a really natural way, like to get into commerce or consulting. And I think that's probably a little bit more. Yeah, recommended if you want to go into consulting. So you have a big, bit of a broad um, baseline for that. But I think, yeah, if you're in my situation when you did commerce and you're like, why am I doing another commerce degree? It is about figuring out um, what you want to get out of it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Cool. Um, and I also want to ask you, and this, you know, without disclosing too much, but I have a feeling, you know, um, we're still young and, you know, you might have more answers than me, but you might not have all the answers still. So as much as possible, can you tell me, what do you think the rest of your career looks like? Um, now you've been back to school. Um, I, I, I dare say you might go back to school again. Um, but in terms of also like kind of your roles in the future, do you think you're going to be settling down longer term in roles? Do you think you're going to be starting your own thing up? But at least what is your kind of way that you go about thinking about this? Do you look at it from like a professional development perspective or maybe from a personal perspective? What do you think? Yeah, I think um, if you asked me about a few years ago, I'd be like, I want to move to Hong Kong. I want to move to Shanghai. I want to move to London. I just want to like live like in another place and like opportunity and like explore opportunities there. And like, but I'm really, really super happy with where I'm at in my career now. And even though like literally half of my friendship group is moving to London or Amsterdam in like the next year, um, I still feel like I can't, I can't give up a job that I like really, really like. Okay. Um, our mutual connection, Mike, Chol, you saw it like he gives great advice and he'd always be like, think about um, certain aspects of a role and scale it from one to 10. So yeah. it might be, the type of work you do, the people that you work with, like your development opportunities and then like your pay and your environment that you're working in. And if you scale them from one to 10, where do you kind of sit? And so like tolls for me was like quite high up and I was like, oh, I don't think it can go any higher. And then when I'm at Mecca now, I'm like, well, I'm like nearly at my limit. So it feels like I wouldn't want to give that away to just go move overseas. So I kind yeah. of have dropped that idea for now. Um, but where I see myself in three to like in the future, I definitely see myself staying at Mecca. And I don't know if I'm still no. drinking the Kool-Aid at Mecca. I've just drunk the Kool-Aid at Cole and I'm drinking Kool-Aid at Mecca. But I genuinely really, really love my role mm. and the company. And I think there's so much opportunity for growth. There's just so many exciting projects in the pipeline. And the people there are just really, really lovely and um, impressive and um, nurturing. Mm -hmm. So... I can see myself staying there. In terms of what I want to do, I still think there's a bit of opportunity for me to push myself in the strategy space. But mm -hmm. I think naturally lots of people after strategy want to get that commercial experience and like move into the business and mm -hmm. like um, maybe work in the retail team where you're more closer to like the stores and the ops. Or you may want to learn um, own like a P&L line or you may want to lead a team. And I think there's so many opportunities when you're in-house in consulting to move laterally into different areas. Like, yeah, the, the movements from the strategy team, like my previous managers have moved into heads off role all across the business. Mm. So um, it's always very, very common to do that. Lots of people talk about strategy as like a really good path 
talent pipeline into the business. And then so mm. you build up strategy and then you lead it in the team. So I would love to do that, um, whether it be like, yeah, there's just so many opportunities. And so I really want to stay at Mecca. But who knows? Like, I think there's just so many exciting jobs out there and you always have to keep open to like awesome brands and working with different people. Um, I might like, and one of my friends actually recently started a job in the strategy team at ASL and oh, she's like, damn. not even a, not even like an ASL real fan, but it sounds super exciting. And so yeah. like, I'd love to work into like a strategy space in like a sports organization. So yeah, you just need to explore all these there's so many awesome jobs out there and like what, like you should just explore companies or brands that you really, really like or that you, yeah, yeah really enjoy consuming or buying from and then just explore if there's any opportunities there. Yeah. Yeah. I think the way you finished off is perfect because I don't know, maybe this is me being naive or uh, I might even like some people might even say it's insensitive, but like as, as like I've like grown like through this whole like commerce degree thing. I've realized that they're actually like, the more and more I find out about roles, like the more and more I find there is like, I don't know how people don't appreciate like how many awesome, awesome roles there are. Like there's some really, really cool roles. And yeah, like some of them are going to be hard. Some of them are just wrong time, wrong place. But I think like in terms of like, even in like an Australian ecosystem, like it's just incredible how many, like for whatever interest space that you have, like how many really, really interesting roles there are. And I think that, you know, something that you said is, which is, which kind of, it's been an underlying theme is that, you know, you said that you are really happy where you are now. And I think that's a message to like a lot of the people listening that, you know, don't settle for not being happy right now, right? Like a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to be happy in two years. Or I'm going to be happy in five years when I leave this role, or I'm going to, you know, make my first million or whatever, and then I'm going to be happy. And that's not going to happen. And I think that, you know, you are a really perfect example of someone who's like kind of taken charge of that as soon as you become a graduate and it's worked for you. Like you've, you've kind of stayed fulfilled throughout your whole career and, you know, it's worked really well for you. So um really really great like kind of mini playbook that you've given our audience uh, okay. um, i don't even know if it's uh, if i'm just like an outlier but i no, i really do think you can but on your point of like sticking it out for two years or three years i think people need to do that sometimes like it's you're not it's not going to be great the whole time and i think i'm really lucky where it, it has broadly been really good but i think you just need to keep checks and balances on yourself and like keep it real like checking in at two years and be like am I still liking this and like really pushing yourself to like take a leap if you're not mm. um and yeah like back to that point which everyone I think is more lots of more people are bringing up it's like don't feel pressured to just go down the the success what we deem like a successful past career path mm. where you go through consulting and go up the ladder like there's so many different ways you can get into a role you like and I think it comes back to the point that you mentioned around like or that people have mentioned before on this podcast around just talking to people. Like if you like tapped into like my friendship group and like just figured out one person, what one person does, like they can lead you to so many different types of people that do different types of jobs or even like thinking about your parents and like their Mm -hmm. friends and like just uh, reaching out and asking them what you want to like, if you can have a chat. I've had heaps of people message me on LinkedIn and be like, do you have a 15 minutes to have a quick chat? And mm-hmm. most of the time people have time for that and they're really happy to give you advice, especially if you're a grad and like they've been in your shoes before. So I think just make sure that you're, you come prepared with questions that aren't just like generic questions. Think of it as more of like a candid conversation where you're just curious as opposed to like 
how do I get a job or, yeah, you know, yeah. what are you looking for? Like, what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, to think of it as, like, building relationships with those people, I think is really, really um, a good step and a really important um, advice that I'd give to people looking for jobs. Um, but, yeah, you'd be surprised at how many people are really willing to just, yeah, give you 15 minutes of their time to chat. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really good advice. And I think, like you said, like that's, I, I the, there are very few people who have actually disagreed with that. And, and, you know, there are some pretty toxic careers out there. There's some pretty busy people out there in all fairness as well. It's yeah. actually staggering how, like, even with those people, like they still are willing to chat to most people who genuinely are interested in their roles, right? And they're, they're you're still genuinely interested in meeting people who, again, like, you know, if you are genuinely interested in their role, they probably wouldn't mind like working with you or at least, you know, um, giving you the chance to work with them. But again, like you said, right, if you're just trying to be superficial and get the role and um, then yeah, they probably won't help you out. Um, yeah. The one last question I have is, it's a bit, a bit of a long one. Um, what do you think is one thing you underappreciated during uni and overappreciated? Oh, gosh. Underappreciated. Well, I think I can talk to my earlier degree. What I underappreciated was like all the opportunities that, the uni gives you and the faculty gives you that you don't take. Mm -hmm. I think you like you need to embrace being like the cringe student and like taking it all in and like getting involved because like yeah. it shouldn't be cringe. Like you're just taking advantage of all the opportunities and you you've got so much to talk to afterwards. So that is definitely something that I underappreciate. But then really, really um, took in the opportunity in my second degree. Mm -hmm. Overappreciated. That's an interesting one. I don't know if I have a great question, a great answer to that. Well, I guess like earlier on, probably overappreciated like the freedom of it all and like, um, yeah, just like having to only come into uni like two days a week. Mm. And like, I think it probably didn't give me enough structure and like, I probably didn't have enough discipline to be like, oh, I need to actually like spend some time doing work and like setting this outside time to like study. Mm. So yeah, those are my um, reflections on my first degree. And that's why I could come in the second time around with some good learnings and taking advantage of everything. Yeah. Interesting. That was a very, very unique answer for the overappreciated one. But I think uh, I was like, how can someone overappreciate freedom? But actually, you backed it up really, really well. No, I was right. It's probably a terrible answer, but I think no, I answered that through. It was absolutely great. Um, and yeah, I think um, that brings us to the end of our conversation today. But um, Winnie, thanks so much for the chat. It was really, really great. I think we've learned a lot about like your role, but more importantly, just in general, how we should think about our early careers and and kind of um, putting ourselves first and, and making sure that we're we are actually choosing a role that's right for us. So a lot for us to think about. And thank you so much for coming on. No worries. Thank you for having me. And that puts an end to our episode. Thanks so much for listening. A reminder to subscribe to our socials and share this podcast around if you found it helpful. So we can help transform the graduate job hunt of as many students as possible. In the meantime, I'm sure you'll find it helpful to browse through our resources available on wherewithsep.com. I'll see you in the next episode.